So today we're in Acts chapter 12. This is the mini-series as a part of a bigger Acts series, Acts 9 through 14. So today will be in Acts 12. So if you have your Bible, open up to Acts chapter 12, or open up your phone to your app and put Acts 12. I want to also let you know that at the end of the service today, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to have a time for question and answer time here in the service, which is like my least favorite thing ever to do, but... I still do it because I feel like it's good for us to ask openly questions that come up as the message is going. Maybe it's about the fresh start card. But if you think of a question while we're talking here, uh, save it and we'll, we'll have some time for that at the end. All right? Everybody ready to go? Okay, story of Peter, Acts 12. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intended to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Now catch this. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. Can you imagine living in a world where the leaders are only doing things good or bad based on public opinion? I mean, can you imagine that kind of world, right? So King Herod is, is way into this. He is someone highly influenced by public opinion. He grew up in this world of corruption and politics his entire life. The King Herod that's mentioned in this passage, his actual name is Herod Agrippa I. And he is the grandson of King Herod the Great. Now, King Herod the Great, you would find back in Jesus' time when he was born. He was the guy who put all the babies to death because he was trying to take out this savior, this person that was coming in Jesus Christ. That's his grandfather. So Herod Agrippa I of this section of scripture, uh, before this, had been sent to Rome for his education. While he's in Rome, he gets himself so underwater in debt from schooling. I know, unimaginable, right? So he flees Rome to escape the creditors. He ends up living in Palestine. He's in poverty with his uncle, Herod Antipas. They really like the name Herod, which makes it very difficult to follow their, their history, but I, did, I think I did it. When he later returns back to Rome, he's put in prison for criticizing Emperor Tiberius. And once Emperor Tiberius dies, Herod's friend comes to power by the name of Calugula, and he frees Herod and then puts Herod in charge of some Palestinian provinces. So then his other friend comes to power. This guy's name was Claudius. When he comes to power, Claudius puts Herod, Herod in charge of Judea and Samaria as the leader. So what you're seeing here is politics to the max degree. His friend is putting him here. Is, you know, he's in debt, but he, it's, it's the whole thing is just politics, friendships. And this is the world. I want you to see that James, Peter, the early Christians, they're trying to live in a world of corruption and politics and even religious leaders that are fighting. And then they're fighting over stupid issues, whatever the latest issue or fad was. And then only your connections move you up this ladder in the world that you're living in. In other words, pretty much like our world today, right? I, in 2,000 years, the world has not changed very much. And I don't think it's going to change in the next 2,000 years either. The point we want to get here is the world is the world. This is the type of world we live in. It's not much different then. They're navigating. They're trying to stay alive. They're sharing Christ with as many people as they can while also trying to stay alive. And they're sharing about Jesus Christ 
to a world that hates them. And they have to continue to ask the question, is it worth it? Am I willing to pay the price? They're asking the question, am I going to stand for this? And the answer usually is yes, this is worth standing for. Standing strong and sharing about Jesus Christ. So I present the same question in a world that's just the same, in people that are dealing with the same issues on a daily basis. Are you willing to pay the price? Is it worth it? Are you going to take this stand of a fresh start for 2019? Like Peter, we have to be faithful with where God has us and let God do the miracles. When you begin to take these challenges seriously, you take your fresh start card, you go home and you say, I'm going to do this. When you begin to take it seriously, there's probably going to be some pushback. It's going to cost you time, might cost you money. Uh, Probably not your head being cut off like James or thrown into prison like Peter. There's a little bit different uh, atmosphere going on, but you will have some pushback. Friends, family kind of asking you, why are you doing these things? Or you may have to give up some time Uh, watching your favorite shows or whatever it is. It might cost you time to do some of these things. You may have to change friends, friends that pull you back from really the path that you want to go on. The point here is, like James, like Peter, like those early Christians, be faithful with where God has you, faithful with what he's put in front of you, and let him do the miracles. Acts 12 continues, after arresting him, he put him in prison, talking about Peter, handed him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Skipping a little bit. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So he's got 16 soldiers surrounding him in prison. This is, this is like a little bit of overkill. And I think there's a reason for it. I honestly think King Herod is feeling incredibly threatened. Why? His whole world has been like this, right? His whole world's been politics and all this stuff. He is ready for some kind of uprising movement here. That's the only reason you're going to put him in prison and then have 16 soldiers guarding that prison. He's expecting this gangster group, whatever this new group is that are saying they're following the way, to probably try and come and start a revolt, try and break Peter out. Basically, he's misconstrued the situation. And I say that to say that happens a lot in the world we live in. The group that's praying for Peter is shocked when he shows up at their door. So my guess is the prayer wasn't God, let him magically be somehow escaped from his prison. My guess is the prayer was, Lord, I hope his head's not cut off like James was a few weeks ago. I think that's more of the prayer. There was not this uprising prayer of breakout. It was just praying for Peter, praying probably for his safety, uh, just be with him, that kind of thing. But King Herod is looking at a totally different scenario. He is just trying to keep his power. He feels threatened, and he's got 16 soldiers around this guy, making sure that nothing happens so he would lose his power. So what we see is Peter taking a stand for God, and this complete overkill of a situation with surrounding himself. He's actually uh, chained up with soldiers on each side of him when he sleeps. Like, they're expecting the worst. So he finds himself in a scenario that is so beyond imagination. Like, we, we really can't see ourselves in it. We're not quite in the same world. And yet, he takes a stand, he pays a price, and he's willing 
to move forward and be faithful with where God has him and let God do the miracle. Wherever you are, whatever you're facing, again, it's probably not quite this dramatic. You still have to decide, are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to step up and be committed to whatever you face, knowing that it might be misconstrued by friends, family, work? It might be misconstrued in such a way where they think that you've got some kind of hidden agenda. You still got to press on. You still got to be faithful and let God bring the miracle. These early Christians, if anyone had the right to say the price is too high, they do. I've heard this, this scenario of maybe the disciples took Jesus out of the cave and hid him so they could start this movement. Well, at this point, Stephen has been stoned to death. James's head's been cut off. He's thrown in prison and surrounded by 16 soldiers. At this point, I'm guessing if it's fake, if they had tried to fake this new religion, this is the point where they go, okay, the price is too high. I'm done, right? They're going to step back at this point and go, I don't think it's worth it. But that's not what we see. What we see is people who had been moved by Jesus Christ in such a way that they said the price is worth it. They were moved in such a way they saw Jesus' death. They saw his burial. They saw his resurrection. They saw him walking and continue to do miracles. And they saw him leave and they said, the price is worth it. Whatever we have to face, it's worth it. And again, our world's not much different. So are we willing to say it's worth it? To step up and say, I'm willing to pay the price, and it's worth the price I have to pay. I hope you can answer that way and say, yes, it's worth it. If we are willing to do that, that's when God shows up. We see God do miracles when we step up in those times of faith. In this case for Peter, it continues like this. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and your sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that, when, that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards, and they came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. In the next few verses, what we see Peter do next is go, oh, that was real. Because this whole time he thinks he's dreaming. He thinks this is a vision. And suddenly he realizes it's real. And he goes to the house where they were praying for him, and they're shocked to see him. Peter experienced God in the supernatural. He was part of a miracle. Why? Because he was willing to step up and pay the price in the first place. I always think of that Indiana Jones scene in, uh, I think it's the Last Crusade, where he's like, has to put his foot out, and there's like a, a 
canyon of some sort, like a really deep hole. And he sort of has to have this moment of faith of stepping forward. And then boom, there's that path. You guys remember that movie? Luckily, I think everyone's seen that movie. But I always think of that when we talk about what God's expectations are of us. Because I never see God say, okay, here's how it's all going to be laid out in front of you. Here's your path. Here's a few supplies. It just never works that way. I never see God do all that. And you get to go, oh, this is pretty easy. Nope. Nope. He's like, here's nothing. Here's a huge canyon. Go ahead. And then when you do it, he's like, okay, now I'll show up. I just, he's so God. He just does it that way every time. He expects you to be faithful with where you are and then let him do the miracles. Over and over, we see it in Scripture. Over and over in Scripture, we see that the bad guy loses. It's all in God's timing, though. Here's his timing for Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. So all those guys are dead. On the appointed day, Herod, this is actually later in the chapter, and it's really funny. I shouldn't say that. It's awful. Wearing his royal robes, he sat on the throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of God, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. That's why my response should not be a happy one. That's awful. That is awful. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. So basically, God always wins. It's just a matter of when he chooses his timing. He has different timing than we do, right? It's not always the exact moment, but that's not for us to worry about. We have to be faithful with where we are and let God do the miracles, both in good and bad. Whatever happens in our life and whatever happens to those that are pushing back on our life, let God deal with that. We need to be faithful moving forward as God has called us. So as we move forward, like I said, we're going to have a time of Q&A. And this is purposely short because I want to open up for this. You're being challenged to take steps forward like Peter. Like last week when we talked about, who was it? Saul to Paul. Way to go. Way to go, church. So we're seeing the challenges of the Bible. Are we making these challenges with our life? So in these questions, it can be something about this. It can be something about Peter or Saul. Or next week, I think we go into uh, uh, Barnabas. But the point here is, what, what is, what is your questions that are sort of stopping you or um, affecting you as you move forward? That's the kind of question I'm kind of looking for. And it's open to anything, but maybe not anything. All right. Carlos has a mic. He's going to roam around. Sherry has a mic. She's going to roam around. Um, I really wish I would have prepped someone and had this going, but someone's going to have to be bold and just start. So who's willing to be the first to start our time of Q&A? Bill. Okay, so um, questions and answers. So I'm going to talk a little about, about God's miracles and answers. So um, going back a week from here, our, our precious little baby um, Bella was born. But prior to that, 
uh, there was a date set for a procedure. And so our family all got together um, for a prayer the night before. And so there was a lot of questions. How does this procedure work? They're going to have to move the baby. The baby was breached. Does it work? What's the success rate, et cetera, et cetera. So we gathered for a prayer, and uh, it is just amazing, the power of prayer. And so we got together, and I said, why don't we all, someone start, and then I'll, I'll close in prayer. And so immediately, my little granddaughter, Michaela, was bold. And she said one of the most amazing prayers, and she basically hit everything, thanking God, um, asking for a, an amazing delivery, for being with the mom and the dad, and comforting them, and the doctors and the nurses. And so we had a phenomenal family prayer. And so the next day was Tuesday, going in for the, the process. And so um, they went in for that. And so God is just so great. So he, somehow Danielle knew that, I don't think this is going to work. I, I, I sense something. I hear something. Let's move to the C-section. And, and lo and behold, so they did the C-section, and the doctor said this is probably one of the most severe cases of the umbilical cord wrapped around the baby's neck. And so the baby was stressed. It came out, and so there was difficulties in um, transitioning. And so through this process, we had the little children at our house, and so Every morning, every night, every bedtime, the children said, let's pray. And so we had continuous family prayer for um, the health of the baby and for the baby to transition. And um, it was just amazing to see God's work in these precious little children and our family and the doctors and the nurses and just witnessing God just prevailing through all this. We had lots of questions. We didn't have any answers, but we knew we need to turn to God in prayer. And so now the baby is coming home today, and she's made it through all the different steps and stuff, and it's just wild wow. to see that, and it's just such a blessing. That is awesome, and I appreciate, go ahead. I appreciate uh, Bill uh, focusing on the part of this group that was praying uh, for Peter, because even Carlos and I, we were talking about this message. There's a teaching team that talks through these messages, and he mentioned this, really this group that was praying, and because they were praying, they, they just didn't even know how to pray. I think they prayed for just safety. God had this miracle going on that they didn't even know what was happening. And I sort of sensed that same thing going on with you guys. You were praying, and God was doing a miracle without you even knowing. That's, that's, a, that's a good point. Any other questions? We have one Say your name for everyone. Hi, my name is Paul. Um, my question is, hopefully, I don't know if anybody else is dealing with this, um, is when you know, I know where I'm at. I know where I'm supposed to be. And you're totally right. When you're where you're supposed to be and you know where, you're think, where God wants you to be and where you're doing what, you're, what he wants you to do, it's easy. It comes so fluidly. And so you just stay faithful, like you said, and keep doing what he wants you to do where he wants you to be. My question is this. How does you think, in your opinion, how do you think he feels or how do you think he wants me to handle? I've been starting to forgive the people that I realize that are holding me back from continuing to go further with him. Um, but I don't know if I could continue to have any sort of connection with them, any sort of continued relationship with them. Right. And even though they are key people in my life, uh, the mother of my child, my father, how is it that I can forgive them 
but yet keep moving forward with him, but not have a relationship with him because it is kind of toxic. I, I can't move forward and do what I want to do and be where I want to be with him. It's going backwards with them. Right. So, so you're giving forgiveness, yeah, but I, how do you move forward and release those relationships? Exactly. That's the question. What would you answer? What do you think? I, they, like you say, they, they always say he knows what's inside your heart. And I just kind of hold on to that, knowing that he knows that I do have love for them. And I do forgive them. And so you I, still love them, but you move forward. I just, yeah, but I just right. can't have, I can't be where I'm at here in this church and be where I'm at in my life with my daughter and doing what I do and be happy and content and be moving forward and have them in my life. It's just ill. Yeah, it's so difficult because we have this balance. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Of you know, being in a world where we're supposed to be the light in dark places, right? That is part of who we are. At the same time, if you're in a dark place all the time, it is hard for that light to continue to shine. I always use the analogy of the sponge. You dip into God and the church and surround yourselves, and that's the water of the sponge being dipped into this time with God and godly people and just filled with Bible study and life groups and everything going on. But if you don't also take yourself out of that and use the sponge, squeeze it out and use it in this world and be the light in this world, it will disintegrate if you leave it in there. But if you're always out here, it will dry out. You have to go back and forth, back and forth. That's the way a sponge is most effective. If you're too much into always surrounding yourself in Christianity in every sort of way and you know you have your channel on the TV and everything that you only watch, all that stuff, you will eventually disintegrate in that water. But if you're out here always putting yourself out in those difficult situations and always being a light in a dark place, you'll dry out from not having yourself being filled again. Does that make sense? So you have to balance your life in that kind of way. Thank you, Paul. Any other questions? I, I would love for you to address that. That's the, what a family and a community does. Say your name for everyone. Nancy Kendorf, um, you said earlier that God's timing is different than ours. I, I, I have similar situations in my life as well. So when you say that, for me, you're saying give it time and let God do his work. I think when, when we have these situations, we have to stay with them because we're the only hope that they have. I think you all know that I have a daughter who's homosexual, but she's also a pastor, so we got a double whammy in a different kind of uh, church setting, okay? Jesus was only a good teacher, okay? Uh, to me, it can be toxic at times, but I'm trusting in the Lord. It may not happen in my time here on earth, but that he will hear my prayers, and on his timing, he will rectify that and bring my daughter back to him is, is my prayer, and, and I am trusting that. So I'm saying... For me, I don't want to give up on that, even though I know that it's not the best for me, but I'm going to just trust in the Lord in his time. Thank you, Nancy. Yeah, my parents were praying for my sister's life for like 20 years before she finally kind of got it back into alignment with God. And it's still a struggle, but yeah, that God's timing is always a little bit different than ours. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> All right, we have time for maybe uh, two more. Something just burning on your heart. You've got to like, I'm supposed to say it. I'm just, I need him to push me. Here's your push. Now is your time. Go ahead.
first service had like 50 hands go up, just so you know. <laughs> They're awake. They're ready. Is that what you mean? Good morning. My name is Tracy Frazier. My husband and Kevin here were relatively new to the church and we're enjoying the opportunity to get to know people here. Um, last week, I really appreciated the invitation to come up front and pray, and I took advantage of that. Um, uh, through marriage, uh, my grandfather, when I was young, two years old, married um, my grandmother, Aloha, and um, she's Jewish. And she, her name actually means hello, goodbye, and I love you. And um, kind of like the shalom, which has many meanings. And she has come in and out and in and out of our life. But she's back in for this last season. She's approaching 90 this year. She was the friend I was inspired to invite to come join us in our new church home. And Brad prayed with my son and I last Sunday. And it just so happened that Thursday we were getting together. And she had made a efforts to extend that time and I thought here we go the prayers in motion um, and the time that I had she for the last four or five years she knows I'm a believer she didn't know it when we got reconnected I didn't know she was Jewish <laughs> um, but she's been very resistant and this last Thursday we had time together and I was actually through telling a story of my grandfather was able to share with her the importance on my heart to make sure he knew the Lord Jesus Christ before he passed. Um, they were not together when he passed. And it was the first time she listened without the walls. She physically didn't have that, that demonstrative, um, I'm rejecting this. And her spirit was softened. And the reason I feel so compelled to share is one, that prayer was made here and um, went forward from this place. But two, um, as we think about the people that we're inviting and the need of the prayer and the opportunity to draw people that you know in your community that are faithful followers, um, I just want to encourage everyone to grab those people. And if it's a neighbor, if it's a coworker, if it's a family member, um, it could even be somebody in your church that you know is struggling that you want to um, come alongside. Anyhow, I just I had to share the praise, and I just ask you all to pray for Aloha because um, we don't know how long she has, and I believe I'm in her life at this time for such a time as this. So thank you. That's awesome. Let's give. So Tracy, thank you so much for saying that, because that's the kind of stories we want to hear of this actually working. And hopefully you guys are encouraged to, this week, somebody somewhere, that chance encounter or someone you know, talk to them, invite them, or share Jesus with them. We have time for one more. So someone you've, you felt like you needed to say something, this is your last chance. Carlos? Yeah, I just wanted to have a replay of a question that I thought was very important for first service. So I'm going to repeat what they're, at least paraphrase their question for you. David. Did I answer it well, first of all? No, that's why I'm going to uh, Okay, thank you. And see if you do a, do a better job with it the second time around. The question, and it was really more of a comment, it was, I'm going to combine it into two. Basically, is how do we know? We don't really see the type of miracles that, that Peter saw in that stance, and how do those miracles show up in our life today? And as a follow-up to that is what if in our lives as we go, are going through life and trying to do some of these steps that, that we're talking about 
and we don't see God's presence in our life, and he doesn't answer, and we, we see it kind of quiet in our life. Yeah, and I don't think I answered it very well, because the answer is free will. Thank you, Carlos. I need that. Um, the answer is free will, because we are in a world in which People can do whatever they want. And so that means bad things happen all the time. And so if you're praying for something to happen and it doesn't, where's God in that? So we have the miracle of the baby. What happens when um, that doesn't happen? And it's a, it's a great question. And many people ask that question outside of church or inside of church all the time. And the truth is there's not a great answer for this, except that we live in a world of free will, good and bad. And what God says all through the Bible, all through our life, I'm with you. So if you're in North Korea your entire life under a regime of just awfulness or you're in a concentration camp in that time of the world, it's like you're not going to have these opportunities for wonderful miracles to happen. You're just trying to survive. And God says, I'm with you. Whether you face good, whether you face bad, I'm with you. And over and over, God says, I'm with you, no matter what you face. Meaning, it's not about once you accept Christ, then everything good happens. And all these miracles happen one after another. And you just experience this explosion of life of goodness. No, that's not quite how it works. You're still going to face good. You're still going to face bad. Moments of highs, moments of lows. And he says, I'm with you no matter what all the way through. Amen? Amen. Hopefully I answered it the best I can. We're going to close in prayer, and you guys are um, part of second service. This will be easier than first service. What we ask for is everyone, if you can, stay for lunch. Right outside these doors, they've been making tri-tip. So it's like a tri-tip lunch for $10, a hamburger lunch for $5, and then some dessert for a dollar. And the point is, it's you know cheap prices, but great food. But the point is that we will be able to get to know each other better and have this kind of conversations together. That's the whole thought is let's become a family and a community that gets tighter and tighter. You know my kids, I know your kids, and we build those relationships. So I told everyone from first service they have to come back. We'll see who actually does it. But that's going on right after. And if you're sort of new to the church, I want to encourage you to stay after next week because we have Connect with Friends where you learn about the history of our church. You're going to meet all the pastors and you're going to hear the future, where we're going and what we're trying to do together. And so there's a free lunch with that. And that's why I have to tell you, I need you to sign up today so we know how much food to buy. So if you're sort of new and you want to become a part of the church in a greater way, sign up for Connect with Friends today and then uh, come back next week. We'll start here and we'll have lunch together. Will you stand as I pray? We'll also have life group signups. You saw this in your bulletin today. Uh, so next week, sign up for one of those. All right. God, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for Peter and his faithfulness and that true story and what we get to see from it and know that we live in a world that is similar in the politics and the wild, wild stuff happening all around us. And in his faithfulness, his faithfulness to you, he experienced a miracle. So Lord, I pray that for everyone here. As they are faithful this week, that they see miracles happen. I pray that they just experience you in a greater way as they take that leap of faith forward. And Lord, I thank you for the lunch. I thank you for this time. I thank you for the worship and all this day. We give it to you. We give you our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.